The Denver Broncos are putting the finishing touches on their game preparation for Sunday season opener against the Las Vegas Raiders. We heard from Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy and offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey following Thursday's practice, plus our keys to victory and much more on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, Broncos country? Welcome into a brand new episode, Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Just want to say thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day. You can get this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So do us a favor. If you haven't done so already, hit that subscriber, that follow button down below so you never miss out on what's going on with this team. I cover the Broncos every single day at practice all the games, you get all the coverage, and you get some insight into the open locker room. We're allowed to talk to players. You get that here, Locked on Broncos. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter from Mile High Sports. Today's episode of the show is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Broncos country, Game time is approaching here. And Broncos country, you're going to get our players to watch for in Sunday's game. You're going to get our keys to victory on today's show. But let's talk about Thursday's practice at the Centura Health Training Center. Once again, you look at the injury report. Everybody practiced, including wide receiver Jerry Judy, tight end Chris Manhurts, who had a chest thing the day before, who was limited. He upgraded to a full participant, Riley Moss, with the lower abdomen, obviously core muscle surgery. He was limited for the second consecutive day, but everybody's trying to figure out, hey, is Jerry Judy going to play in Sunday's game? Broncos country certainly hopes so, but only if he's 100%. And we'll obviously hear from Jerry here in just a little bit, but I also think that it's a good sign for him that he is now a limited participant two straight days in a row. Friday's designation, obviously the Broncos set to practice later on Friday afternoon. We'll see where things are at with him. And so maybe we'll give an update on a bonus episode of Lockdown Broncos following that here. But we had a chance to catch up with Jerry Judy in the locker room following Broncos practice on Thursday at the Centura Health Training Center. And he's very open about it in terms of how he's feeling and what he's doing here. I think the number one key is being smart with his body. Here's what he had to say. Oh, I'm being 100% smart about it, you know. If, depending, I got to listen to my body, you know. So if I feel good, I'm, I'm good. If I don't, then I don't. So it all, it all depends on how I'm feeling. And look, it's always good for athletes to be aware. And I think especially because the, the business side of the NFL, you want to play, right? The competitive nature, you want to play. But I think Jerry understands the importance, and I hope every athlete understands the importance of – I. You, you know you have to go out there and play, but if you're not 100%, you're doing you're putting yourself a little bit more at risk. So Jerry has been smart with this whole entire process. He and Bo Lowry have had a really good rehab and workout plan for him to ease him back, but he has ramped things up. He's looking more and more comfortable as each day goes out there. And during Thursday's open viewing period to us media members, I thought he was moving pretty well. Now, you want to be able to see where you're at, and you're not going to get that determination here today. But, you know, another thing that Jerry had talked about as well in terms, he was asked a question about whether or not he would press the coaching staff, you know, if he felt like he wanted to play. But he said for him, he's got to feel good, and everything's going to have to 
makes sense for him in order to go on Sunday? Um, I just got to consistently feel good throughout throughout um, practice every day. Just keep getting better and better. Uh, as long as I feel good on Sunday, we see what happens. I certainly think that Broncos fans are anxious and hopeful that Jerry can play on Sunday. But you know what? It's not the end of the world if he doesn't. I think that Denver, in my opinion, if it were up to me, I don't know where Jerry's at from a percentage standpoint in terms of health. He obviously looks good for the most part, but we know how tricky hamstrings are. Cooper Cup in LA is dealing with something right now that could put him on injured reserve. He's already been ruled out for the week one opener against the Seattle Seahawks. So for Jerry in his case, could you maybe get by this week without him? I mean, obviously there's a lot of importance on the line here. You're opening up the season against a conference opponent, not only a conference opponent, but a divisional opponent where these games matter. So that is something we're going to continue to follow here on Lockdown Broncos, building up to Sunday's kickoff, 2.25 p.m. Mountain Time for all you out there. And then also we're going to have a post-game report following the game once they get back from the stadium. We'll break it all down here. We'll react to the game with Broncos country here on the podcast. But we also had a chance to hear from Broncos offensive tackle, Mike McGlinchey, a key offseason acquisition. And look, I think he understands, hey, against Max Crosby, potentially Chandler Jones, who knows how that situation is going to play out there. He knows that, hey, these guys are, are very good pass rushers, but for the most part, he's not necessarily focused on that more so as he is into buying into Sean Payton's philosophy. Like, hey, we have a goal here. We want to get off to a fast start. Mike McGlinchey talked about the importance of divisional games and why they have so much weight. And to start the season with one is super important. Well, division games certainly always, um, you know, yeah, matter yeah. more. It almost counts as two, Ooh, right? Because it, it counts as a win and a loss for the other team. So um, it's a it's a big deal. It's certainly a big deal and certainly some, something that uh, Coach Payton has harped on to stay and, and start fast this year. Um, and certainly to do it at home um, would be a great opportunity. And this is a message that has to echo throughout the entire locker room. Everyone has to understand the value. Hey, you get a win against an AFC divisional opponent that gives you one you know, step closer to maybe a potential tiebreaker that could come down to the wire in that final regular season game. I mean, obviously, Denver's going to open up against the Raiders. They're going to close this season against the Raiders. But you're hoping you don't have to be in a position by that time that game comes around where it's like, all right, hey, this is a must win for us. Hopefully, at that point, Denver can maybe secure a postseason berth already. But that's where you have to take care of conference play. You have to take care of divisional play because these things matter the most in tiebreakers as the AFC seeding process kind of formulates itself throughout the entire regular season. And look, it's a grind. It's a steep climb to the mountaintop here. And the Broncos understand that. And I think for Sean Payton to continue to echo, we have to get off to a fast start. That's what players have told me. That's been his message. We have to get off to a fast start. We must start off strong and we must eliminate and maybe mitigate some of those things that have set the team backward in years past. We're talking pre-snap penalties. Can't have that against the Raiders. Can't have that against any other team in the NFL. I say the overall vibe in the locker room when talking to players, they're ready. Players are ready for Sunday's game. They've put in so much work this offseason throughout OTAs in the weight room. Training camp was a grueling grind, but many of them have told me it was worth it because it's going to prepare us for what we need to do in order to win games. And I would say that mindset is present across the entire locker room here for the Broncos based on talking to players. So you want to see that formulate. You want to see it come to fruition here for the Broncos as they get ready for Sunday season opener against the Las Vegas Raiders here. But Broncos country, we're going to have a lot more conversation coming your way here on today's episode of the show. Sarah Bettinger and myself, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about who are our players to watch. We're also going to highlight some players that Broncos country has told us they have their eyes on in Sunday's game specifically. Then we'll also get into our keys to victory, and you can get all that on today's episode. Locked on Broncos. 
This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at Nutrafol. You don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. And men think losing their hair is inevitable. Take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated, natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free, patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. Go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their hair health wellness quiz, identify causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners the Lockdown Broncos $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men and enter promo code LOCKEDONNFL. That's Nutrafol.com slash men Promo code locked on NFL. Which players are we going to be watching out for specifically as the Denver Broncos take on the Las Vegas Raiders here week one of the 2023 NFL season offensively and defensively some players to keep your eyes on this week before we get into those specific players though Cody and I want to give a huge shout out to all of you that make locked on Broncos your first listen of the day every single day mile high salute to every single one of you in Broncos country that makes us part of your day, whether you take us with you on your commute to or from work, on the treadmill, while you're working out, while you're walking around the store. We appreciate you so much. Free and available everywhere you listen to podcasts, as you know, and also free and available on YouTube to watch Cody and I and see little Grogu back here who loves to make appearances. Cody, I know Star Wars fans, things are ramping up right now as well. So we're going to have fun all season long with all of it. And hopefully we have a fun post game on the way here after Sunday's matchup against the Raiders. But either way, we love getting to do this together with all of you in Broncos country that choose to make us part of your day, however you choose to do so. Let's get into these players to watch, though, Cody, because I think uh, I mean, obviously we're watching everybody. Right. But specifically, there's some people in Broncos country that are, are looking forward to seeing. I think everybody get a circle one player in this game who maybe there's been a lot of stories about this whole offseason besides Russell Wilson. We know we're all looking forward to seeing Russ bounce back. If there's one player though, that I think everybody's looking forward to seeing, it's not going to be necessarily number three, but number 33 with him there in the backfield. And that's the thing. Like how does Javante Williams look and for him to make the progress he's made? I mean, it's huge. And I think maybe another thing too, an underrated mental aspect to watch here is, you know, for Javante, this will be the first regular season game back. Obviously, he got some run in the preseason against the 49ers, a good test for them defensively, by the way, to get some acclimation to. But it's also against a team where he suffered the injury here. And this was when he was running, I think it was a stretch play to the left side. And you had Max Crosby just wrapped him up around the waist and his knee just buckled when he was still trying to run and keep his feet churning. And so how how does that have you know impact maybe Javante in this game? And and look, I think that it'd be foolish for us to not talk about maybe the, the, the thought process there, because you do think about certain things. Like when I came back from my ACL, Sarah, the one thing that I thought about is coach put me on kickoff once again. And I tore my ACL on kickoff as the outside guy 
and it really was just me breaking down, planting my leg, and my leg bent inward and snapped. I thought I broke my leg, but no, I tore the ACL. You think about these things here, but I, I wonder where Javante is at, and I imagine maybe we might get to hear from him a little bit in the buildup here, but I'm very curious to see maybe where Javante's feeling with this. I think fans rightfully so are excited to see, and I want to go back to what Sean Payton had said to us a little bit earlier this week because he said, we, we haven't really even mapped out what his snap count, what the pitch count is going to look like for him, but we do know. He is going to have a big role inside the offense. So if you are a Broncos country member, of course, Javante is one player you have your eye on. But another player, I think, if you look on the other side of the ball defensively, I think everybody's going to have their eyes on Patrick Sertan this upcoming week because I know they want to see a lot of him versus Devontae Adams in the trilogy matchup. We'll see if they get some one-on-one opportunities on the outside. I wouldn't be surprised if Josh McDaniels motions Devontae Adams underneath formations to make it more difficult to isolate those one-on-one matchups. But Sertan is also a player to watch here in the eyes of many in Broncos country. No doubt. And when we look at his statistics at the end of the season, you can't help but wonder if a lot of his numbers, I guess, in terms of interceptions or passes defense will come as a result of these two games against the Raiders, because we know the Raiders are not afraid to throw the ball his direction because why they're throwing the ball to Devontae Adams. So they're feeling like they're just as confident on the other side. This will be an opportunity where we we kind of assume going into this year, well, Damari Mathis is going to get the majority of the looks his direction. The ball is going to come his way a lot, and that will end up likely being the case. But against the Raiders, Pat Sertan is going to have a chance to really make a lot of plays on the ball because I think he's going to see the ball more than maybe, I don't know, these next handful of games combined. I just don't think teams are going to throw his direction a ton or they'll try to match up their best receivers against other corners. So Sertan, I think, needs to be ready in this game to make those plays on the ball, as we've seen him do against Justin Herbert, as we've seen him do against a number of other quarterbacks. He has been able to take advantage. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, he's going to... He's going to be willing to throw the ball that direction. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm also excited for your player to watch, Cody, because we've talked about him a ton this offseason. He is the new Agent Zero in the Denver Broncos defense. Another one of these single-digit players. As we know, PS2 rocks that number two. But now we've got Agent Zero, Jonathan Cooper. Tell me why he's one of your best players to watch. Yeah, he's my player to watch this week because I think we're going to see a little bit more of what he can do here now as a starter here for the Broncos. And, you know, the one thing I've said I've seen from him that's just been so good is like, hey, if there's a run play going opposite of him, the way he cuts it down the line of scrimmage tight, we always call it in the coaching world, our coaching point is hill line depth, right? He tracks it backside, stays tight down the line of scrimmage, and is able to make plays from the backside. If Denver's other side can do a really good job of hedging Josh Jacobs and force him to step outside a little bit more, it allows guys like Jonathan Cooper to backtrack backside. Now, when you run to Jonathan Cooper's side, he does such a great job of his initial point of attack, attacking with his outside hand, jamming, keeping his other hand free. That way, if there is a run to the outside, his athleticism allows him to step and close Close the distance there on a guy like Josh Jacobs. Now the question is, okay, hey, you you look at how fast Jonathan Cooper is. I also think Broncos fans are going to get a little bit of an insight to how strong he is as well. There could be some situations where he, he is asked to go one-on-one against Josh Jacobs. How does Jonathan Cooper respond to that? I think is a very big key. But not only that, but just rushing the quarterback as well, I think is going to be key. He had a very strong preseason. Can he carry that over now here into the regular season against Jimmy Garoppolo? I think certainly he can. I think we will see that on display in Sunday's game. But now let me throw it to you here. We've talked about guys like the evident guys like Russell Wilson, Javante Williams, Patrick Sertan. 
You have Samaj P. Ryan as your player to watch in Sunday's game here. Tell us a little bit more why. I just think you look at a guy like this who's either going to help you get ahead of the chains on early downs. He's going to help you convert third downs. He's going to be picking up pass protection. He's going to be doing work in the red zone. Samaj P. Ryan is just one of those guys that, man, eh, yeah, the number 25 out there might have people, their hearts skipping a beat for a second when they see number 25 running the ball for the Broncos again after what we saw from Melvin Gordon in the last couple of years. But at the same time, I, I think Samaj P. Ryan is bringing a completely different type of back. Look, he's another physical back, just like Javante Williams. He's another guy that's going to grind out tough yardage for you. He may not go out there and get to that 80 yard touchdown run or anything like that. But at the same time, he's going to do so much for you in terms of playing all three downs. And Sean Payton made it a point back in March and April when he was discussing Samaj P. Ryan in that signing to make note of he's not just a third down back. He does great work on first and second down as well. And so I'm excited to see how the Broncos incorporate him. All the talk has been about the big role that Javante is going to have, which rightfully so, we should all be excited about that. But even if it's a secondary role, I think Samaj P. Ryan maximizing the snaps that he has out there on the field could be a major key to the Broncos extending drives or getting drives off to a great start or, hey, this third down play would not have happened if not for P. Ryan picking up that blitz. Those types of things are the things that I'm looking for. He had a really, really good preseason, looked fresh, looked explosive, looked very physical. I think he's an underrated aspect of how the Broncos are going to be able to control time of possession and extend drives and maybe finish drives this coming season. I love that selection. They're very under the radar, but I think very important to what the Broncos want to do. And hey, Broncos country, if there's a player that you have your eye on specifically in this game, whether it's on offense or defense, that we didn't mention that you feel like, hey, this is my player to watch. Let us know if you're listening or watching wherever you get your podcasts or available on YouTube. One thing we are going to do here as well, we're going to get into our keys to victory. What do the Denver Broncos absolutely have to do on Sunday if they want to come away with a win against the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll dive into some of those on today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at Prize Picks. And testing your skills on Prize Picks this football season is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps on your phone. Prize Picks offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. If you want to take Josh Jacobs to go for over 60 yards rushing against Denver this weekend or Russell Wilson to throw for more than two touchdowns, you can put your daily fantasy skills to the test at Prize Picks here today. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LockdownNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, that's prizepicks.com slash NFL. Use code LockdownNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Check it out today at prizepicks.com slash NFL. As we jump in the fourth quarter action on today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, we'll dive into our keys to victory and make sure you share yours with us as well as you're listening or watching this podcast. We just want to say thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for making us your first listen of the day every single day. A special shout out to the everydayers out there who never miss an episode all year long. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for making the show exactly what it is here. Sarah, let's open things up here. Keys to victory. Now, we can say cliche things like, oh, stop Josh Jacobs. Well, of course, that would be a great way to do it. But it's never that simple. It's never as simple as stopping this guy, limiting this guy. There has to be some tangible 
statistical-based things that happen in order for you to come out on top in the game of football. It's a numbers game always here in the NFL. And I think first and foremost here, you have to find a way, in my opinion, if you're the Broncos offense, can they rush for over 120 yards in this game, right? Because if you're rushing for over 120 yards, the odds of you maybe maintaining and winning the time of possession battle here is so crucial. What do we see against the Rams? They had like 36 minutes time of possession. And they had over 100 and something rushing yards in that game. That right there is if you're running the ball really well, you're converting and you're scoring points and you're controlling the time of possession, that plays into your hand from a statistical projection that allows you to say, okay, hey, we're on track to win this game. In my opinion, if Denver can rush for over 120 yards against a tough Raiders defense and control the time of possession, Sarah, I think they will win this game. I think so too, Cody. And as I was talking to your boy Q in our crossover Thursday episode, he said that the interior defensive line for the Raiders has been the weakest part of that defense. And it was something that he was kind of saying, that's an, that's a, that's an area where the Broncos can maybe take advantage. So I feel like if you can win with these two physical backs that the Broncos have and get over 120 rushing yards, get ahead of the chains on first and second down, make sure you're winning those downs. I think that's going to be crucial, which leads me to winning in the trenches, right? And that's this is an area where the Broncos simply have not won much in recent years, despite I know for the longest you had Bill Kolar, great defensive line coach, and then obviously Mike Munchak, great offensive line coach. Unfortunately, the Broncos were kind of getting whipped in the trenches, not necessarily always defensively, but offensively for sure, not being the more physical team. Certainly last year, we saw that giving up a league high 63 total sacks between Russell Wilson and Brett Rippon. And then obviously just not being physical enough in the running game. Broncos consistently finding themselves in second and long situations. That's going to be a massive emphasis. I feel like this season for Sean Payton and this coaching staff to really be the more physical team in the trenches. And we saw that with the investments they made. They went and got Ben Powers. They went and got Mike McGlinchey. You bring in Chris Manhurts and then you go get some Ajay P. Ryan. These types of guys are going to make your team much more, not, not necessarily P. Ryan, but physical in the trenches to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage, even against a team like the Raiders that, They've got Max Crosby. They've got the new first-round pick, Tyree Wilson. Probably won't see Chandler Jones out there. I guess we don't know that for sure, but doubt we'll see him. But just in general, winning this battle in the trenches and starting with the running game, as you mentioned, paramount to beating Las Vegas. You have to find a way to do that. And, and that's the thing is Denver has allowed the Raiders in the trenches specifically, as you mentioned, to smack them in the mouth over the course of the last six games. And that's a big testament to why Josh Jacobs has been able to go haywire has been able to just get loose and get free. And then obviously for the lack of offense that we've seen from the Broncos against the Raiders, to me, that has to change going forward. I mean, I thought Denver last year in that week four matchup, they, they got off to a really good start. I mean, you had Montreal Washington returning punts 30 yards, giving Denver great field position. Cortland Sutton getting a touchdown. Jerry Judy getting a touchdown. Russell Wilson running for one himself. And then the Javante injury happens in that third quarter. They only have 18 yards in totality of total offense in that game. And then everything just went whoop, downhill from there. You have to avoid that. And part of that was turnovers, right? Denver can't lose the turnover battle. One thing coaches always preach here is what is – the turnover differential, right? If you're usually plus three and turnover differential in a game, you're more likely, I think, at 94, 95% likely to win that game here. 
We've seen Denver struggle, I think, in recent years against the Raiders of forcing turnovers against them defensively, right? Because Derek Carr would get the ball out of his hands quickly. He would pick them apart, and you didn't see him necessarily make those mistakes of throwing a, a an interception at an unopportune time. Derek Carr, for a long time, was the Broncos' boogeyman in the AFC West, aside from Patrick Mahomes there. I don't want people to take that and get all crazy with it. But it's like, yeah, Denver had never really had an answer for Derek Carr either, the way they haven't had an answer for Patrick Mahomes. And now I think it's different. Like, what are you going to see here with Jimmy Garoppolo? We've alluded to maybe the dink and dunk nature that we expect him to have at the quarterback spot now in this system. But also, I think he's also a guy that will throw turnovers. Like, that has been something that Jimmy G has done. He has turned the ball over at key times in key games. So can Denver create that pressure where they can generate more takeaways? And obviously on the offensive side of the ball, can you protect it? No fumbles on the ground. I mean, we talk about turnovers last year. What was the difference maker in that first Raiders game, Sarah? It was Melvin Gordon's fumble that was a return for a touchdown by Rocky Sin that changed the entire course of that game for Denver. And obviously, you know, I think you've we've had good ball security from what we've been able to see. Haven't seen Javante or Samaje put any ball on the ground during training camp and practice or in any of the preseason games. I like that, Sarah. I think it's a step in the right direction here for Denver. I do too. And I think kind of a, a cousin of that is going to be penalties, right? Because we saw the Broncos lead the league in penalties last year. And look, you might as well throw an interception or just drop the ball on the ground for the other team if you're going to get all the way down into the red zone and then all of a sudden have two holding penalties and a block in the back that pushes you deep in the field goal range and then you miss a field goal, right? I, I just feel like that scenario has played itself out one too many times, even if it was only once for the Broncos. But I know it's been multiple times, Cody, where the team finally gets something going offensively then all of a sudden you get within 20, 30 yards of the end zone. And now, now you got holding penalties. Now you got pre-snap penalties. Now you've got guys that are blocking illegally downfield. Now you've got a, a illegal motion, things like that. So the difference in coaching this year is going to be massive. I know the players have to go out there and execute. I know that Sean Payton and his staff can't be the ones out there not committing penalties, but look, with that being such an emphasis, I do feel like that's going to be crucial. As you talk about turnovers, that can lead to eventually uh, a loss of points, which is just as bad as a turnover. When you have so many penalties, you're averaging what? I mean, the Broncos are averaging probably close to seven, eight, nine penalties a game last year or something nice. insane. So it's just crazy to think like how bad things were last season and how most of that stuff, as Sean Payton has pointed out, pre-snap variety or you know obviously holding and things like that it wasn't just how the broncos were out there getting frustrated getting unnecessary roughness stuff like that it's pre-snap stuff it's the stuff that you can really avoid mistakes that you go back and you you're watching tim jenkins and his all you know his tape stuff and you're like man what could have been offensively you don't want to be getting to a tape session on monday or tuesday and saying man this could have been such a better game because of penalties so that's a key for me, I think, to winning this game is let the Raiders be the ones to make those mistakes. Let them be the ones to get frustrated. Let them be the ones to commit the pre-snap. Let them be the ones to look like they went through all this change in the offseason, right? With Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback and you're adding some weapons offensively. Don't be the team that looks like went through a bunch of change and you're trying to figure things out here in week one. Uh, you know, one thing that Sean Payton hates the most, it's penalties, it, 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 especially the pre-snap ones that you mentioned, like it pisses him off to a legitimacy because you are right. It is controllable. And if you're having a false start, it, it means that you're not focused. It, it means that you're not locked into your assignment. 
It means that you're thinking too much, and you can't have that happen. Sean Payton, I I know I read in that Seth Wickersham piece on uh, ESPN, he said he'll do a, a lap around the entire facility. He doesn't care. He'll remove you for it. So we will see if if that's the case here. But pre-snap penalties going backwards on first down. Peyton absolutely hates it, and he's going to drill it in these guys. That, hey, we, this is unacceptable. We cannot have that. And I agree. I think making sure that you don't have the penalties that you had last year, just timing as well, is just unfortunate. There's certain things you can't control. There's certain things you can't control when it comes to penalties, but you can control your pre-snap ones. And we'll see if Denver is much better in that department on Sunday. But Broncos country, that'll wrap up today's episode of the show here, Locked on Broncos on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. The next time you're going to see us, it's a post-game report breaking down the outcome of Sunday's big matchup here, whether the Broncos win or lose. I'll head back from the stadium after the game, after locker room availability. Sarah and I will break down all the action on Sunday's Locked on Broncos post-game report. Looking forward to it. See you there, Broncos country.